Welcome back to the Movie Planet. We've got four seasons under our belt, and now we're entering season five. This season is going to start with the remaining four shows from previous years, Dumb and Dumber on January 5th, The Fly on January 19th, The Exorcism of Emily Rose on February 2nd, and The Thing from 1982 on February 16th. After that, it is all new shows every two weeks, starting with the prequel to The Thing, The Thing from 2011. But without further ado, let's start with a new intro for a new season. With Joe. Man, you are one pathetic loser. Sam. Oh, geez, look at the butt on that. Yeah, you must work out. And Joel. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? I am your host, Joe, and with me is the Harry to my Lloyd, Joel. Hey. How are you doing today, sir? Wonderful. How are you doing? I'm great because we are joined today. Making his triumphant return, the Mary Samsonite Swanson. Hello! <laughs> <laughs> this week we'll be talking about the 1994 Fairly Brothers comedy, Dumb and Dumber. I have nominated this for the comedy movie Pantheon, so in an hour or so we will discuss it, analyze it, grade it, and either induct it or exclude it. This week, we are talking about 1994's Dumb and Dumber, directed by Peter and Bobby Farrelly, written by the Farrelly Brothers and Bennett Yellen. Starring Jim Carrey as Lloyd Christmas, Jeff Daniels as Harry Dunn, Lauren Holly as Mary Swanson, Mike Starr as Joe, Joe Mentolino, Karen Duffy as J.P. Shea, Terry Garr as Helen Swanson, and NHL hockey legend, Hall of Fame class of 05, and current Boston Bruins president, Cam Neely as Seabass. With Seabass. Hilarious. <laughs> Thank you for reading all of those off. That made, that made me... <laughs> the day... Uh, yeah, I was a big Bruins fan before I moved to Nashville. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of get into the culture and, you know, you don't get to watch Bruins games because you're in the South. When I found out that Cam Neely was Seabass, because <laughs> you just don't make connections when you're five years old. I thought that it was just the best thing in the world. To oh, the God, point where, yeah. like, I wanted to find a Bruins jersey that just had Seabass on the back. <laughs> See, now that would be amazing. He's so great. Dang, I might There's got to be a few of There's them out there. Oh, that, there are. Yeah. Uh, this film was made for $17 million and raked in $247 million at the box office and was the third movie in 1994 to reach number one in its opening weekend for Jim Carrey. Ace wow. Ventura opened that year and The Mask also opened in 1994. <laughs> he had a big year. He did. Mask was yeah. a good movie, too. It really was. <laughs> now, Welcome, ac- Cameron Diaz. According to the Farrelly Brothers, Jeff Daniels wasn't wanted for the film, but Jim Carrey wanted him in it. In order to ensure a no from him, the production company offered Daniels $50,000 for the role. He accepted it without any hesitation, nor did he attempt to negotiate. Despite insistence from his agent, the film would kill his career. By 1994, the film was Daniels' most successful. (laughs) That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Nicolas Cage and Gary Oldman were the original choices to play Harry and Lloyd. Ooh. I'll say, I'll say this. Jeez. There are many times where you will <laughs> I had read no us. idea. There are many times where you will read us. These people were originally, you know, slated for the film and they were pursued. 
and you think that could have worked maybe, but oh Holy my shit. gosh, really? This, I know <laughs> Nicholas Cage and Gary Sirius Oldman. Black. <laughs> like, I like Gary Oldman, but cannot see him. Ghost Rider and Sirius Black. Yeah. Oh my gosh. The uh, man. Uh, the final little bit of news here, and people claim that this movie is stupid and only kids will get it. But this, I love this. Jeff Daniels claimed he was at a golf course one day with when Clint Eastwood told him that he had just seen the movie. Daniels braced himself for a negative reaction, but to his surprise, Eastwood wanted to tell Daniels that the bathroom scene that had had happened to him once when he was on a date. <laughs> Being sexually... Well, no, not that. The, when he's when, dumping himself. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I okay, think, yeah. too. I that's, was going to see that. Yeah, okay. But no, the, <laughs> where he poops and where he just yeah, destroys it destroy, and the yeah. flusher's broken. So were you excited to see this movie for the show? I'm going to start with a Sam. Sam, were you excited to see this movie? Oh, yeah. This movie is amazing. Do you remember I, when you first saw it? I was... It was either when I was in elementary school and... No, middle school. It could have been elementary school. It could have been early. But my first actual memory was... It was either carpooling with my buddy to school in his van with a, a DVD player in it... Or it was in my buddy's room watching it again and again and again and right. just rolling on the floor. <laughs> Joel, how about you? I'm always excited to watch this movie. This <laughs> movie's got like a really special place. I don't know the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. but I've got a buddy, Sam, who's the Nickelback question. Oh, okay. And when we were in high school, we had Algebra 2 together. We sat in the back right. And our teacher like hated us, but also like loved us and like thanks us at the end of the year. She was like, y'all help me get through that class. Everyone else was such a dork, <laughs> but we would get bored in the class and I would just lean over and go mock and you go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and by the end of the semester, she just would like stop class and let us finish. Like, are you done? Are you done? <laughs> we had a similar situation at my school this year where uh, one of my teammates was across the hall in another classroom, and I guess they were talking about Dumb, Dumb and Dumber, and all he yelled out was mock, and I yelled back from my room, yeah! <laughs> yeah! Bird. C. I, yeah, I didn't C. even have to know C. what they were talking about. I knew as soon as I heard mock, I was like, you, you yell, yeah. That's yeah. how it is. Uh, for me, yes, I was excited. I, I know this movie is pantheon-worthy in comedy, and it's just a matter of whether everyone agrees with me. So, Well, it, I'm yeah. leaving soon, so I agree for the pantheon. <laughs> Uh, well, it's funny because at the end, you don't give it an A. Oh, then I changed to an A. Okay, there it is. One point, I, there's there's one thing that I must say about this film is that anybody else could not have done it. The chemistry of these two guys together is impeccable. Oh, God, yeah. But they're also, I think, they're such great actors that even when Jim Carrey's like crying next to the window and he's talking about how his life is nothing and that he's sick and tired of it, mm-hmm. like I believe him. Yeah. Like both those guys are such great actors, so <laughs> such powerful actors that it works so well. It's and it's also something that I'll talk about later, which is this movie does not it, it was not a bunch of scenes just put together with a thin plot. No. The plot matters in oh, this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. every joke deals with the plot. Yeah. Uh, which is and something each, I love about this film. Each joke, except for when Lloyd is daydreaming in the diner. <laughs> That's the only time that it kills me. <laughs> Everything else, all the jokes. There. Hello, hello. <laughs> all the jokes <laughs> land perfectly. They're just, it's such great writing. And I wonder how much of it was just freely scripted. Like, just let them go on their own. Well, I've, I have I checked out the script this morning, actually. And there is a lot of liberties taken with some of the lines. Uh, Great. But I, the version I watched 
for this was not the version I remember. It had all the deleted scenes put in. Hmm. Yes. And I have seen this movie at least a hundred times. And when I saw this, I was like, oh my gosh, there were scenes in there that I hadn't seen before. Like the hotel scene and yeah, did they add an extra scene with Seabass? Yes. Okay. I'll talk about that in a second. Which, which version, where did they, y'all see this one? So when, when DVD productions, they wanted to start making all their money with the opposite of what we talked about today. They wanted to send out the unrated versions. Mm-hmm. I bought the unrated version because at that point in time, you couldn't find a movie that was otherwise. Yeah. You know, everything, everything was unrated, the uncut version. And they tried to make you think that it was going to be some like Skinamax edition, <laughs> but they would just like throw in deleted scenes. Yeah. And this movie adds so much to it because that's what, that's the one that I own. And I kind of wish that it had the old, just the normal edition with it, but it extends on Seabass. Like instead of him just like going into the stall, it like goes like to this happy place scene. And then like when they're sitting in the hot tub, they're just wait, wait, wait. The sea bass scene with uh, Jim Carrey in the stall—that's a deleted scene. No, no, that, that's There's in the an movie. extension to they that extend scene. it where like sea bass pulls down his pants and he's wearing like a leopard print thong with like pubic <laughs> hair, oh, pubic hair just yeah. pushing out of it. Oh, <laughs> and no. Lloyd's Lloyd's saying like find your happy, happy place, place, find your happy okay. place. Okay, and then Seabass says here's your happy place. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a scene right afterwards when they're in the car and Harry is constantly going after him about yes. how gay he is, <laughs> and you can understand why they pulled all those out I because it makes these characters seem mean spirited and not huh. lovable. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so all of those, and that, there's a hot tub scene where <laughs> you're lucky you're not stacked here. You're gonna be banging you right now. Yeah, you'd like it. You'd like it. <laughs> Probably like it too. You big <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> says all that, and it's like I can see why they pulled them out. Okay, yeah. it makes sense. Shut up, Lloyd. You shut up, woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here we go. The synopsis: Lloyd Christmas is a simple-minded limousine driver in Providence, Rhode Island, <laughs> who becomes infatuated with his first passenger, Mary Swanson, as he drives her to the airport. Can we just talk about how great the opening scene is? Up to him talking to the model. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I'm sorry, my driver's lost. I'm trying to find the <laughs> lecture hall for my lecture. And it's, the way he extends his head out of the window like a giraffe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> but there's a line that is not mentioned in this. See, after she turns him down and he has put his head back in the window, he, there's a line in the script that says, I guess I won't be going down under tonight. Oh. Yeah. And they took that out. kind of glad they pulled that one. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was good. Austria. Which is, uh, Oh, really? <laughs> Put another shrimp on the bobby. Mary's heading home to her family in Aspen, Colorado, but leaves a briefcase in the airport. Well, the drive there is great because he almost hits a car, and then you see it explode yes. in the rear of the window. <laughs> Not a care in the world. <laughs> but it, doesn't he have a line where he's like... Uh, Going to the airport? Well, I saw I, the luggage. No one noticed the airline ticket. I put two and two together. <laughs> <laughs> What's the matter? Little dents about the flight. <laughs> There's really nothing to worry about, Mary. Statistics show that you're more likely to get killed on the way to the airport. Like in a head-on trash or getting trapped in her gas truck. That's the worst. Have this cousin? Well, had this cousin. Sam is leaving us. Sam has put on Apologies. his, his uh, dwarf helmet. <laughs> Have a good day, sir. Thank you. Appreciate it for great having, having me. You on. I'm just glad you could come back. Oh, appreciate it. Anytime. Uh, <clears throat> Lloyd notices and retrieves the briefcase before a pair of thugs arrive to pick it up, dashing ahead of them to snag the briefcase. He does that like baseball slide. Move it or lose it, sister. <laughs> 
This is Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey at this point. Yeah. He's unable to catch Mary in time and is left on the ramp of the airport with briefcase in hand after having run off the end of a jet jetway. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, there's dumb and then there's noticing there's an open jetway. <laughs> How's your day? It was all right. I fell off the jetway Wait again. again. <laughs> I always freak out when you leave the scene of an accident. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry Dunn, Lloyd's roommate, is the pe- is in the pet grooming business. So now we meet Harry, and uh, he has recently spent his life savings converting his van into a sheepdog. <laughs> Let's talk about Harry here. Ha- Harry, he already seems smarter, right? Then he doesn't seem dumb. He's like the level headed one out of all of them, but he's still a total bonehead. Yeah, like when he's feeding the dogs in the back. First of all, he's, he, his car is a dog. He's dressed up like a dog. And he's he's got his own grooming. You gotta admit, imagine if he's in a if he's in a grooming business, he's probably successful. He's being hired. Yeah, mutt I mean, the van helps. The the van is. And I remember down in Florida, we were at a bar one night and we saw the mutt cuts van. No way. Somebody pulled up in the mutt cuts van, oh and we were like, "Oh my gosh, this is amazing!" It pulled up and it's kind of stopped at a stoplight and turned off. And it's like when you drive around here and you'll occasionally see that one Jeep that's the Jurassic Park Jeep. Yes, and <laughs> I do love that Jeep now sells tire covers that have Jurassic Park on. Really, it. they do? Oh yeah, I've seen one in Nashville. Okay, it's or someone sells it, but it's phenomenal. Um, yeah. So he gets fired from his job. Both Lloyd and Harry quickly lose their jobs due to preventable accidents, and the two are distraught over their situation. You are one pathetic loser. They've got their parakeet, Petey. Hey, Petey. <laughs> they have a worm farm in their apartment, <laughs> and you and he introduces the briefcase. This is the MacGuffin. This is the plot device that's going to push everything through. This okay. The briefcase. He introduces the briefcase. He says, would you open it? No, I couldn't. It's locked damn well, too. <laughs> <laughs> this is where your journey begins because he's introduced to this woman. He has to get him on Harry on board. And he has one of the best lines. I'm tired of being a nobody. Yeah. It's, again, and we're going to talk about it later. Mm-hmm. What this movie had that the sequel didn't was it has a genuine plot and yeah. it has genuine emotion and you can tell what the like the characters deep down really want something and mm-hmm. they're going after it. In the other one, it was just a point A to point B. Let's see what happens in the middle. But I do love this scene and it stuck out to me specifically this time watching it through because it made me realize this is not just a stupid movie. No, this is a movie. And so anyone that ever tried to say it's just a dumb movie and I don't like it because it's just a bunch of dumb jokes and you know you start to think maybe I just like it because of my childhood. Mm-hmm. No, it flows well. It really does. Uh, nothing feels shoehorned. Right. It feels natural for these characters. I want to go someplace warm. <laughs> a place where the beer flows like wine. A beautiful place. Where the salmon run. Where, with the- <laughs> where the beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> talking about Aspen. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. <laughs> the French are assholes. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, they're distraught with the situation. Thinking Lloyd is a professional hired by the Swansons, or perhaps an FBI agent, the thugs exact revenge on Harry and Lloyd. Shortly after returning home, Lloyd and Harry are alarmed by the thugs at their door, one of them being armed. Did you pay the gas bill? Do you realize what, what you've, you've done? <laughs> Believing them to be debt collectors, the two escape through their back window with the briefcase. Uh, while the pair are out looking for new jobs, the thugs behead Harry's pet parakeet. This is great because you get Jim Carrey 
off not to spend money he doesn't have. And what does he do? It's a box full of shit he doesn't need. <laughs> the essentials. A thing of uh, Coors Light, a giant, a cowboy hat, which my brother, he went uh, to, I can't remember if it was like San Diego or whatever. It was in high school. They went for like some sort of competition. And when he came back, the things that he bought as souvenirs were in the airport. And one of them was a giant foam orange cowboy hat. And <laughs> now looking back, obviously, like he was he was young and like in junior or like the early stages of high school, mm-hmm. he sat with that giant foam hat on an airplane. Just and like I can't get owning it. Of that. <laughs> um, but while we're talking about expenditures, I want to bring this up so that way it doesn't stay on. I'll, the line I'm glad for the you're going to because I was looking. I was trying to look for, find the quote. <laughs> um, well, I'll say this. Back in the Sheepdog is in 1984. Ford Econoline, which we'll say gets 14 miles per gallon (laughs) or average. Well, it's 13, but I've done 14, Mm -hmm. Um, meaning it's going to take 200 gallons to get from Providence, Rhode Island to Aspen, Colorado with the five hour detour. Gotcha. So if we take that and multiply it by gas, which at that time cost... About a dollar and eleven cents. Mm-hmm. Ah, those it's are the days. still only going to cost them about two to three hundred dollars in gas. But let's go. Let's fluctuate. Yeah, <laughs> no. all of that. So I mean, they had to come up with about three hundred dollars just to get from point A to point B. That's the average gas price for then. Again, no, nice to see it under a dollar fifty. And, and uh, we don't he, talk about that part, though. No, no, no. no. Plus, he, the shag car, the shag on the side of the van is going to take it down probably a couple miles to the gallon. Oh, definitely. <laughs> uh, the part I was thinking about though was what he says about old people. Oh my gosh, yes. Which is in my <laughs> favorite quotes. It's even when so when I had got my first Facebook, my fa- when I had favorite quotes. Mm-hmm. Favorite quote is, "Huh, I guess they're right." Senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. And he gives him that cheesy chip tooth smile. He goes, I'll be right back. Don't you go dying on me. <laughs> Favorite quote in the whole movie. I got mugged. Got robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. I didn't, didn't even see it coming. <laughs> After they return home, Lloyd goes out to purchase some beer and other goods, but ends up getting robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. Unhappy with life in Providence, Lloyd insists to Harry that they should leave their messed up lives in Providence behind and head to Aspen to return the briefcase to Mary. Harry is at first skeptical of the idea, but agrees to do so after being persuaded by Lloyd. They leave the next day, and the thugs learn of their intentions and pursue the two Aspen-bound men. Gas man. How the hell they know I got gas? These guys are good. (laughs) (laughs) But this is the love you see in it. Yeah. This is the heart of the movie, is that you have two friends who are kind of loyal to each other. Yeah, Harry's going to give up everything to help out his buddy after the soliloquy he gives about, I'm tired of having nobody. I'm tired of being nobody. And you look at these two guys and you realize they are nobodies. But doesn't detract you from the fact that everything from that point on is just a laugh fest. Mm-hmm. And you, it sucks because you're laughing at them most of the time. Uh, and you don't want to. You feel bad about it occasionally. But damn it, they're stupid. <laughs> On their way to Aspen, Harry and Lloyd have several misadventures. They start at a diner where they meet Seabass. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me, Flo. <laughs> That's another scene that they add in the uh, extended version. Was that in the one that you watched where yes. she like blows bubbles into his drink? Yeah. My drink needs more carbonation. She yeah. blows bubbles in it. You happy now? Uh, if that gentleman over there is Seabass. 
Yeah, I did not realize that was Cam Ailey when I first saw it. No. Uh, but yeah, when he hawks the loogie into the burger and you planning on eating that? Uh, yeah. uh, it, it crossed my mind. Oh my. <laughs> you can have it now. <laughs> I would never do anything to alarm a man of your stature. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, this is... And what's nice is this is a, a genuine stop on the road trip. It's not like they're going off the beaten path there. They got to yeah. stop. They got to eat. Uh, they pack up on more food so they can not have to stop. <laughs> yeah, Seabass is going to handle this, and they grab everything there. <laughs> Thus ticking off Seabass. And what I didn't realize was that the story that he uses, uh, that he's like, oh, yeah, I saw this in a movie once, was a movie that Jeff Daniels was actually in. No way. Yes. It was called Something Wild, I believe. And so (laughs) it was an actual movie that he was in. So when he did that, it was kind of like a a pair off to that. That's hilarious. I have no idea. Um, Yeah. So they stop at the diner for food and Harry gets his burger spat on by Seabass after Harry unintentionally threw a salt shaker at him because you had to throw salt over for spilling the salt. Uh, Harry and Lloyd try to reconcile with Seabass and his friends by offering to buy them all beers. But Lloyd decides to put the beers, as well as some other items, on Seabass's account and they manage to escape only to be briefly pulled over by a police officer played by Harlan Williams in Pennsylvania. You keep your mouth shut if you knew it was good for you. (laughs) You Give me that bougie, uh, a pumpkin pie haircutted freak. You, you guys been uh, kicking back on Grandpa's cough syrup there? Doing a little <laughs> booze and have you? <laughs> Sipping back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? It is. It you know that I think that is something that everybody has at some point thought about, which is if you're in a car and you're on a road trip and you have to go to the bathroom and you have something, a container in there, doesn't it cross your mind at some point? I'll just go in that. Oh, have you not? I've never. I have. <laughs> I I'm going to say that I have in the last calendar year. No. <laughs> Really? Yeah. Oh my God. You got to be careful, though. You got to, you got to know how large the container is and how bad you have to go. Well, that's what I'm thinking. He's got a beer bottle. I'm like, that's not gonna help. Yeah. For <laughs> for those of you who have always wondered, um, you got to have something with a little bit of a wider opening. Y- yes. Yeah. You're not just gonna, you know, try to jam it in yeah. there while driving. Sonic cups work well. Sonic um, cups. <laughs> big gulps. Yeah. Big gulps. Um, anything. <laughs> you know, maybe like a. Like an apple juice or something with the, the that <laughs> opening's a little bit wider, just for you and your upholstery. Days later, Harry and Lloyd pick up one of the thugs, <laughs> Joe. Joe. <laughs> the thugs set up some kind of ruse to get him in there to try to get rid of the guys. Right. They've got the briefcase. You they, don't kill someone you don't know. They, That's a rule. <laughs> they pick up Joe, and everything they do with Joe at this point on is the most irritating thing imaginable. Yeah. Do you want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? That was improvised. Because no, if you watch Jeff Daniels' reaction to it, he's surprised. <laughs> um, but you get the mocking ba- Mockingbird song. Mockingbird. Um, Tag, you're it. You're it, Auntie Quincy's. You can't, you can't triple the stamp, double stamp, Lloyd. You can't do that. That was part of me and Sam in uh, math class. We would tag each other and be like, you're right. They pick up Mike. Mike's got the gas. He's got some nasty acid reflux, I guess. He's got the ulcers. Yeah, the ulcers. Uh, and the trio stop at a restaurant for lunch. Lloyd and Harry inadvertently kill Mental by accidentally feeding him rat poison. Pills are good. Pills, Pills are, are good. good. Watching them try to dare each other to eat the, the hot tamales. Yeah. It's the, uh, the one of the golden gems of that scene is Jim Carrey taking the ketchup and mustard from Jeff Daniels <laughs> and just slamming them on the bottom like it's on the table and it just squirting up 
and him just like trying to put his mouth over it. <laughs> the physical comedy, and this is I'll say later, is one of the best parts of this movie. Yeah. Jim Carrey's physical comedy is honestly like second to none. Mm-hmm. He's so good at what he does. And we've all seen those red and yellow mustard and ketchup bottles and thought to ourselves at some point, if I just hit these on the counter, will they just shoot up in the air like a dumb and dumber? Here, Lloyd, this helps. <laughs> Ooh, they got the monkeys. They were a major influence on the Beatles. <laughs> Later, the two wind up separating when Lloyd accidentally takes a wrong turn and drives them to Nebraska instead of Colorado. Uh, is this during the dream sequence? Um, or is it after that? I think it's the dream sequence. Yeah. And then Jeff Daniels says, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. And then Jeff Daniels goes back to sleep. And I think that's when he veers off. Okay. Can we talk about the dream sequence and how amazing this is? How like totally unneeded, but how perfect it is. Yeah. It's, uh, this dream sequence is the anchorman fight in Mm -hmm. anchorman. Yeah. You don't need it, but you're glad you see it. (laughs) And if you are a stupid human, this would be your dream sequence. It's Jim Carrey knocking on Mary's door. She opens it up and you see doves flying out behind her and he picks her up and then lifts up the back of her skirt. Was that a deleted scene? No. Or is that in the original? That's in the original. Then the next shot is him with her family telling awful jokes. No, but that's a real nice ski mask. (laughs) Lights a fart on fire in front of her family. They're loving it. Uh, then he grabs some peanuts, shoves them in his mouth, and yeah, and they're all laughing hysterically. Uh, they go out to dinner, and he gets in a fight with the maitre d' and then the chef. It lo- always disturbed me as a little kid, but it's just outlandishly funny. Oh, it's great. Uh, he puts his heart in a doggy bag. <laughs> hands it to him. Uh then they have the making love scene, which is basically him just opening his mouth as as wide as he possibly can and cupping her face in a in a kiss that nearly suffocates her. Which shows like even in his wildest fantasies, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and finally, she strips down and where her boob should be are two headlights. And then he's awakened uh, by the truck coming right at him. <laughs> uh if there's ever a dream sequence in comedies after that, I have to believe it's inspired by this. Yeah, no, that's um, a good point. And it, what what's re- what I didn't realize is that Harry is nowhere to be found in this dream sequence. No, of course not. He is nowhere <laughs> to be found. Harry is out of sight, out of mind, uh, which kind of lends itself to why they're going on this trip because he only sees himself. He's not seeing all the sacrifices that Harry's making along the way. That's very true. Which makes it interesting when he catches up and realizes that Harry has backstabbed him mm-hmm. and he did not see it coming. Yeah. Uh, later, the two. Okay, so they they wind up separating when Lloyd accidentally takes a wrong turn and drives him to Nebraska instead of Colorado. With the two virtually out of gas and Harry being infuriated by Lloyd's mistake, he begins walking home. But Lloyd is able to trade the van for a small scooter. Oh, so you know I did not factor that into the gas equation from Nebraska. Can you get sixty miles to the gallon on this hog? Seventy. It was seventy. Seventy. Wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> He catches up with Harry and the two proceed to Aspen. And I, I want to say that this is probably the most famous quote of the movie. Lloyd, just when I thought you couldn't do anything dumber, you do something like this and totally redeem yourself. <laughs> it's, it's probably in the top five, top ten of this movie. I have here a list of the top 100 
Dumb and Dumber quotes. And that's the thing. This is probably one of the more quotable movies. Is number one, so you're telling me there's a chance. No, number one is just when I thought you couldn't possibly. No way. Number two is, oh, yeah, it's right here, Samsonite. I was, I was way, way off. off. We started with an S, though. <laughs> but the funny thing is when he's going through that, he says Swanson. Yes. <laughs> uh, the third one is the quitsies, anti-quitsies, no startsies, you can't do that. Then you got number four, which is we got no food, we got no jobs, our pets', our pets heads are falling off. Uh, then you've got number five, which is, look, Harry, your hands are freezing. <laughs> right, we could go through all hundred of those. Number eight is, it's uh, right on my ass after you kiss it. <laughs> I've said that before. I've, I Watching this movie again, I realize how many of these quotes I've recycled into my everyday life, mm-hmm. which is, mm, I don't know if that's good. but I'm sorry. That was number eight. Number seven is you sold my dead bird to a blind kid. Lloyd, Petey didn't even have a head. Harry. <laughs> I took care of it. Uh, Wait, so where where on the list is, so you're telling me there's a chance? Because that's the one that everyone says to me. I'm getting there. Number nine is, I got robbed by a sweet old lady in a motorized cart. Number 10 is, we landed on the moon. <laughs> you did it. Number 11 is, I can't stop going once I've started. It stings. <laughs> Number 12 is, that's as good as money, sir. Those are IOUs. Number 13, oh yeah, tractor beam, suck me right in. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> suck me right in. 14, good day, mate. Let's put another shrimp on the Barbie. In fact, your quote, which is, uh, so you're saying See, there's a chance. I'm looking at it here. Now, is this oh, most it's popular tw- or best? It's number 25. Is this best quotes or most popular? This is 100 dumb and dumber quotes. Oh, okay. So it's not like a... No, it's, okay. it's the, yeah, the top 100. Okay. Yeah. I would say it's definitely not the best quote. It's but, in the top. But as far as like quotes that like I hear people say over and over, yeah. my favorite of all time is still the senior citizens, although slow and dangerous behind the wheel, can't still serve a purpose. Yeah, I don't agree with the fact that so you're telling me as a chance isn't higher. Yeah. It should be higher because you got ahead of that, just ahead of it. I'm gonna go hang by the bar, put out the vibe. Now, <laughs> I do know people that they you they definitely use that when joking. I've said about, it a few times. Yeah. There's an entire group of people back in college that if they were just trying to like get someone's attention, they would stand with like their elbow on a table and just like let that arm hang <laughs> and they would just call it putting out the vibe. And so that was all taken from this one movie. Yeah. So they get their little motorized car or motorized uh, bike. I don't even know what to call this thing. It's not even a moped. It looks like a kid's bike. Like a Vespa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're, they're riding there and uh, you know, you get a little montage of them driving and uh, Harry's got a pee. Lloyd just says, just go, man. Oh, it's warm. <laughs> then he gets off the bike, and he's stuck to him. He's <laughs> so been driving through the mountains with full exposure to the cold and the frigid winter. And which... I didn't realize this until home video, but when he gets up, you hear ice cracking. <laughs> like, I thought he was just stuck in that position because he'd been sitting there for so long that way. But he's you hear ice, and you're like, oh, it's all the piss. The pee, Yeah. <laughs> Driving over those mountains, it gets cold in those altitudes. Oh, yes, it does. Unable to remember. Oh, I forgot. When they're driving through Nebraska, and they realize that, like the Rockies, wow, they look. Really like, thought the Rocky Mountains would be rockier than this. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. That John Denver's full of shit, man. <laughs> Unable to remember Mary's last name or locate her in the phone directory, the two spend a cold night in a park. It's cold because Harry doesn't have gloves. But Lloyd has two pairs. Take here, take my extra pair. My hands are starting to sweat. <laughs> You've had two pairs the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> it's the Rockies. 
They accidentally get well. They get into a scuffle and they accidentally bust open the briefcase to find millions of dollars in there. So, like, you have to have Harry or Lloyd selfishness in order to go any farther with yeah. this. They don't know it's ransom money, but it says here as ransom money she had left at the airport terminal in exchange for her kidnapped husband, unbeknownst to Lloyd. The two decide to spend it responsibly, in air quotes, and keep track of all expenditures with IOUs, but they end up living extravagantly. They check in at a luxury hotel, <laughs> buy a Lamborghini Diablo, have full body makeovers, and get expensive gaudy candy-colored tuxedos. Sky blue for Harry, tangerine for Lloyd, complete have, with the matching top hats and canes. I have the orange tuxedo t-shirt. Do you really? I do. I'll, I'll, br- I'll bring it. And, Please uh, do. It's uh, it's funny. Me and one of my friends from back home. Again, this was a staple in our friend group. It's something that we could all bond over. And so we went to our like this yearly Christmas party in Johnson City. That uh, it's essentially it's open to the entire city. Whoever wants to come in, but it's our friends' parents that put it on. Mm-hmm. Super nice people. It's all like all family friends. And my friend Grayson and I go, and we're wearing the matching tuxedo T-shirts to this <laughs> party. <laughs> I remember going prom shopping, and we were considering getting these. Yeah. Because my prom was in 1997, and this was like three years before, and it already reached like super status for, for right. kids my age. It was like, we need to get the prom. We need to get the tuxedos for these, and they did not have them. They, oh, they, somebody man. had already rented them out. I was like, oh, man. But the full body makeovers, I love this scene, and I don't like this scene. Like with this scene, when he gets out of the sports car, this is a quote that Wes will say over and over. Like if he's handing anything out, you go, here you go. Here you go. We're just handing out hundred dollar bills to the entire hotel staff. Well, I love how they get out of the car and just boxes of clothes come out. It's like when you open somebody's car and White Castle boxes fall out. <laughs> but you get the makeover scene where they're getting their hair cut. He's getting his toes done. Oh, that's so hard to watch. <laughs> they get a sander down on those things. But the one that... I've always wanted to try is the shaving one with the ketchup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And it's, this movie is all about scenes that we all wish we could actually do, but we don't. Yeah. And that's a staple of all Fairly Brothers movies. Fairly Brothers movies tend to try to make what your imagination wants to do possible. Mm -hmm. And that's why most of their movies at the end of their career did not work. What else have they, what else have they done? Oh, we'll get into the whole list later. Yeah. Lloyd tries to use the money to woo Mary before revealing he has the briefcase. But Mary ends up befriending Harry, whose stupidity she mistakes for intentional humor. We skipped over a little bit here the benefit they go to, where they're dressed in the tuxedos. One of my favorite scenes in this, in fact, I could almost say this is my favorite scene in the movie, is when they're just entering the room and Harry just rushes up behind Lloyd and smacks him with the cane on the ass. And the look on his face that, oh! That is my favorite scene of the movie. I, you think he like just really just drilled him when filming that? I think so. Had to have. That was. I think that was a genuine hit. How much fun was this movie to make? It's a shame this movie doesn't have a behind the scenes. It really, it really is. Because I would love to watch what they were doing behind the scenes of this movie. The, uh, but you know, putting out the vibe at the bar. You know, hey, nice Hooters, the Owls. <laughs> you get the bullshit joke. Yeah. Um. And then Terry Gar, Mary Swanson's mom, comes up and goes, oh, my God, you are amazing. I love your tuxedo. And he has no idea she's making fun of him. Right. <laughs> and, and also you get to the point where they're at this, um, they're at this function and the uh, villain from before, Joe's 
like companion. Yeah. She recognizes him. Mm-hmm. And so when they pop the bottle of champagne and he goes and kills one of the Icelandic <laughs> snow owls, they, and I don't know, again, I've seen the extended version so many times. I don't know what was intentional, what wasn't. Mm-hmm. They talk about it later saying like this, these guys are pros. This is like an assassination. Cause like yeah. they're, we killed their bird. Now they're killing ours. Yeah. That was in the original cut. Uh, and it's also my least favorite scene of the movie. Yeah. Because, it's too coincidental at this point. That's too coincidental. Now, if it had accidentally hit her in the head, that would have been amazing. Like, oh, they knew who I was, and it hit me. Yeah. But people don't realize, when you watch this movie, if you never open a champagne bottle, you can't aim that thing. Right. It's going to go where it goes. And for it to go across the room that far <laughs> with that speed and then kill a snow owl through a cage... That's the leap of faith you got to take in this. Right. It's, it, my, it's my least favorite part of the movie. And you know, it's funny because this movie is a very dumb movie, mm-hmm. but we talked about it earlier. The stupid stuff that they do is believable. Yes. they. Yeah, of course a kid in Nebraska is going to trade his like little bike <laughs> for a van. A lot of this stuff could really happen. It's just you have to be stupid enough. Mm-hmm. But I get what you're saying. You're absolutely right. That is a bit of a stretch. Yeah. From there, he gets a date with her, but he has to lie to Lloyd. And he lies to Lloyd, and he says, oh, yeah, she's going to meet you at the uh, hotel bar at uh, 10 o'clock. I just thought she was a raging alcoholic. <laughs> <laughs> the, then he goes on the date with her skiing. He, he sees Frost, and he licks it, which I've never seen Frost. I mean, like, I need to stick my tongue on it. No. But you, this is a, another stupid moment you need. Mm-hmm. Him just riding the cart all the way around over and over again, stuck to this thing. And then finally she just rips his head off. Oh, And the tongue stretches. Oh, it just hurts to watch. Mm -hmm. They make a snowman. He puts the coal and carrot in the wrong place. (laughs) And then drills her right in the face with a snowball. (laughs) Yeah, she lightly tosses snow at him and he nails her. I remember being like eight years old, being a kid and still like being able to process, ooh, you're not supposed to do that to girls. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. This snowball fight's my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the movie. This might be one of the best dating sequences in any film. Not only, you know what he does? He PK Subans her head into the snow. Oh, what uh, Crosby did? What Crosby did. He PKs her. He takes her head and just whitewashes her over and over again. And much like the game, the people that are around them do nothing about it. Right. The uh, just didn't happen. Now, before they leave on their trip, Lloyd sees them going, right? Um, or is it when they return? The next one. It's the next one he says. It's the second date, I think. Oh, or I, that later that night. He's going to... Uh, but isn't it when he returns back he that returns, he sees her? sees them. Oh, and sees then, them, yeah. Yes, it's when he returns. He sees them getting out of the car. And then when he says, oh, we're going back like to dinner tonight. He's like, oh, I've got to go do something. Mm-hmm. But good luck on your date. That's when the next thing happens. Yes. This is... Lloyd is well aware. Lloyd feels betrayed. Lloyd is going to hurt this boy. One half teaspoon for fast, effective relief. <laughs> what was it called? Like Turbo Lax? Turbo Lax. <laughs> which, which he just... Doesn't sound fun. <laughs> he probably puts a, a third of a cup oh, yeah. in his tea. I'm surprised it didn't hit him sooner. Oh, absolutely. No. Yeah. I mean, when he's driving, he gets a little grumble. But it, listen, I get people don't like diarrhea humor. This is th- this scene kills any possible scene you could possibly have afterwards with diarrhea. It yeah. doesn't get better than this. No, even Clint Eastwood approves. Yes. 
This is the in fact after this you don't see really another shit joke in any movie that cuz it's like well, we can't do dumb and dumber. Right. Uh I agree. And, and not only that, I hate to say it, Harry's acting in this scene is great. The high pitched fart at the end does make me laugh. At the <laughs> <laughs> it makes him laugh too. Yeah. Um but you I believe the scene stopped in the original version with him just trying to waft it out the window. <laughs> But in the deleted scene, he picks up the toilet and tries to pour it out the window. <laughs> um, Mary meets up with Lloyd. Doesn't Lloyd show up at the house? Yeah. He uh, he shows up at the house. She's like, yeah. what are you doing here? And he's like, I've you know got your briefcase, mm-hmm. unless you've got something else going on. <laughs> Shortly after two are found by the man ki- behind the kidnapping plot, Nicholas Andre, a longtime confidant of the Swanson family who holds the two in the hotel room at gunpoint. When Lloyd reveals all the money is gone, replaced with IOUs, the kidnapper freaks and handcuffs Mary and Lloyd on the bed. Um, there is a separate piece that has not been mentioned in the synopsis, and I'm really pissed off at IMDb for not mentioning it, and that is along the way, they meet another woman. Right. At the gas station? Yes. Harry meets her at the gas station. Mm-hmm. And it's- then at the hotel bar lobby, Lloyd meets her. Right. Yeah, the uh, she just broken up with her boyfriend, and my this actually like legitimately is the my line favorite that quote. I say. It's the one that I use the most, especially being in Nashville and people that make a lot more money than you mm-hmm. that do a lot less than you when they're just telling stories about like how tough it is to go to. Oh, I had to go to Brooklyn this weekend. I had to go to Chicago. Oh my gosh, Vegas was so hard, and I. Do more it, more it. often than not, Wes will look at me and be like, no, and I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I use that with my students all the time. And oh, yeah, in the classroom, too. Yeah. Absolutely. Mr. I'm not going to say my last name. I will. Mr. Zarek, do we have homework? No, and I don't <laughs> care. Do you know what? Hey, oh, are we having indoor recess? Do you know, do you know if we're indoor or outdoor? Every time, because I'm just trying to eat my lunch. I'm like, no, and I don't care. <laughs> Actually, I'm just like, oh, go talk to Mr. So-and-so. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so Lloyd finds out. He gets cha- he gets handcuffed to a bed. Uh, then we re-meet up with this woman who's hey, been Harry, in both these scenes. you never called. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll be honest with you, I, I, I had forgotten about her at this point. Right. I thought she was like a one and done. The first... 20 times I saw this as a child, I don't think I ever made the connection of her at the gas station and her in the bar. Mm-hmm. Because when you're a kid, you're just going for the cheap laughs. Yeah. So Harry comes in the hotel room and is also put on the bed. Harry demands to Andre that he shoot him. Andre does. Okay, kill. We had a wonderful time. She touched my leg. Okay, <laughs> kill him. <laughs> uh. Andre does, and as Lloyd is about to be killed, Harry emerges again and shoots a gun at Andre, but misses every <laughs> shot. <laughs> you just see the holes appear in the drywall behind him. <laughs> Harry, you're alive, and you're a horrible shot. <laughs> yeah, and I got this bulletproof vest. Well, what if they shot you in the face? Yeah, what if they shot me in the face? <laughs> that was a risk we were willing to take. <laughs> The FBI interceded and it is revealed that the FBI was aware of Andre's presence and the kidnapping scheme and equipped Harry with a gun and a bulletproof vest as he entered the hotel. Mary is reunited with her husband, much to Lloyd's dismay. <laughs> he does another he has another montage of him shooting the husband. <laughs> Who did Oh, oh yeah, this isn't it uh you're going I I met the nicest guy 
And then the dream sequence is him just pulling a gun out and just blowing him away. <laughs> who did not even realize Mary was married. Uh, Lloyd has a vision of himself murdering her husband, but it is interrupted when Mary introduces her husband to him. With no money, the two begin to walk home. Ooh, hated, hated this scene growing up. Hated this scene. Really? Yes. It made me so mad. Made me Because I was like, you can't be that dumb. <laughs> Along the way, they inadvertently turned down a chance to be oil boys for Hawaiian tropic bikini models, directing them instead to a nearby town. <laughs> Did you know, so trivia with this movie, and I'm sure you do, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, they were supposed to get on the bus, and and uh, Jim Carrey refused to do it because he said, if we get on the bus, we're not as dumb as we've made ourselves look this entire time. Oh! So they were supposed to catch their break at the end of the movie and get on the bus with the Hawaiian Tropic Girls, <laughs> and instead, Jim Carrey said, no, we're going to do this instead. Yeah. So the entire ending of this movie still lands on Jim Carrey saying, no, we're going to do this movie the right way. Yeah. Which then goes back to my false encouragement with Dumb and Dumber 2. The, and here's the thing. What's great about this scene is that it gives you the, oh, maybe they're not dumb enough because they stop the bus right. as it's driving away. And then they direct him, Those, you, my town is a little. He, my, he, he grabs Harry by the face like, do you realize what you've done? You'll have to excuse my friend. He's, He's a, a little slow. The town is that way. <laughs> and he points in the opposite direction. And you just get a shot down the bus of every Hawaiian tropic model. And apparently when they're driving, they're all wearing their bathing suits. Yeah. Uh, Harry. Ba-ba, 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 ba-da-da. It just like ends with that 90s, beautiful 90s song. Harry reassures Lloyd that, quote, someday we'll get our break too. We just got to keep our eyes open. Oh, painful. And the movie ends. Gosh, so painful. So the movie's over. What do you think after watching it, Joel? Oh, I I love this movie. And, you know, I try to watch these movies and watch it for a nostalgic purpose and then watch it for the show. Mm-hmm. I was able to somehow do both at once. This is the first movie that we've watched that I was super encouraged by what I saw. Because, yes, all the nostalgia was still there. Mm-hmm. But knowing what I know now from listening to you guys and talk about plot, stru- plot structure and holes and, like, things that are, like, maybe too much of a MacGuffin or mm-hmm. all of this, like... It still works. Yeah. It flows super well. And after watching this, like, this validates me for anybody that ever tries to tell me, like, I hate this movie. It's just a bunch of dumb humor. Yeah. Now, granted, people have their preferences. It's okay if you don't like this movie. My mom is one of them. Comedy is subjective. Yes, so. it is. And, but, gosh, if my mom is a saint for as many times as she's probably had to sit down and watch this movie. The uh, For me, I felt like I should just get off my couch, leave my dorm room, and run down the hall to quote this movie with my RA for 30 minutes straight. It made me feel like I was in college again. It, yeah, it does. You're, that's a very good point. That's very well said. It makes you feel like wherever you fell in love with this movie, it makes you feel like you're back in that place. And I know that that's the, the, the truest definition of nostalgia right there is mm-hmm. that it makes you feel like that. And people go, well, it's hard to grade it then if you're grading on nostalgia. I think for this show, whenever we do comedies, we should do it as we're all saying together. Mm-hmm. Because if you watch a movie by yourself, you're rarely going to be laughing outwardly or get the community experience of laughter, which leads to a lot of the laughing points in this. If you watch it by yourself, I mean, yeah, I was chuckling out loud to a few of these things by myself. But I knew if I was watching it with you and JC, I'd be laughing out loud to a whole bunch of other things because it's just more fun. Yeah. Um, for, so, okay, did the awards get it right? Well, didn't win any awards. So, so no, it didn't. It, no, it should have been best picture that year, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what worked well for you in this movie? Your favorite parts? Well, I said it earlier. Senior citizens, although slow <laughs> and dangerous behind the wheel, can still serve a purpose. 
I'll be right back. Don't you go dying on me. <laughs> this might be the reason I like Coors Light. Really? I don't know. I mean, it maybe it has something to do with, you know, Mark Harmon being the okay. Coors Banquet guy, but that was a little bit after. <laughs> when he, uh, maybe it was just subliminal messaging. Now, granted, I did not really drink before I was 21. Mm-hmm. I was, I, you know, I'm a rule follower, so I was like, you know, whatever. I'm hopefully not going to die when I'm 20 and a half, so yeah. let's just give, be patient. But when I turned 21, I was like, hey, there's something I trust about Coors Light. <laughs> and I go back and watch this movie, and when he's going to get the essentials, he has a case, not a six-pack, a full, like, behind-the-bar case of Coors Light <laughs> with his paddle with a ball on it he's swinging back and forth and his giant cowboy hat. And, and a pinwheel. And a pinwheel. <laughs> and this is where I learned what the, Oh, my gosh. I remember something about my childhood. I remember my friend's mom telling me, hey, you can't say Rhode Island slut. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And I remember getting in a van with his cousins and them just talking down to me because I was just this like chubby little neighbor kid. And I was like, why? They're like, it's, it's, it, you can't say it. It means the same thing as ho. I'm like, I don't know what that means either. And so luckily my parents like raised me sheltered enough, but like not too sheltered. But then he, when he pulls that paper out and leaves his wallet in, go back, listen to how many times in this uh, podcast I've said cripes. Yeah. And man, he, it's just maybe the most quotable movie ever. Yeah. I'm not saying it's my favorite movie with the best quotes. Cause I can sit down with you and quote Caddyshack all day long. But I think this even has a few legs up on Caddyshack. Caddyshack has quotes, but man, dumb and dumber beginning to end is amazing. And it's just quoted. Boom, boom, boom. One after the other. His physical comedy is wonderful, mm-hmm. but the contrast of the dumb lines fits so well in the story. Yeah. And you, I, that is the best thing that I took out of it this week is that it isn't just stupid lines. No. And that is what works well for the movie. It's, it is a complete package. It fits well together. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, this movie is ridiculously quotable. I said that uh, the soundtrack is amazing in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I remember, I, I can't, I don't think I knew anybody back then that didn't have at least one or two songs off the soundtrack. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. Jim Carrey, uh, let's see, the explosive diarrhea scene is when <laughs> Jeff D- Daniels steals the movie back. Because uh, mm-hmm. at this point, you're kind of laughing at Lloyd mostly, and then Jeff is the supporting actor. The diarrhea scene, Jeff goes, no, this is my movie too. Uh, Jim Carrey's dream sequence is great. The IOU's exp- explanation, this one's $235,000. Might want to keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> Might want to hold on to that one. And the snowball fight. I, I love the snowball fight. Snowball fight is good. Uh, if you've ever been in a relationship and in the snow and she tosses snow at you, in your head you think, if I just whale her in the face with a snowball, what will happen? You don't do it. You don't do it. <laughs> but your mind does that little Ally McBeal like, what if I did it? <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, now, what didn't work for you in this movie? Um, it's gotta be something, you know, it's, we'll say the movie that I watched this week, the things that don't work are the scenes that can be cut short, mm-hmm. but in the theatrical version, I think they did. Okay. The one that I'm used to is the one that I've seen the most out of the last 10 years. It is the uh, director's cut or just the uncut version where, you know, it does make a little bit longer of a sea bass sequence where he pulls down his pants or mm-hmm. a little bit extra in the. It's really easy hotel hot tub where they're listening through the paper thin walls. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, eh, you didn't need that stuff, but that's why they didn't put it in the movie. Well, a lot of it's also anti-homosexual rhetoric. Right. And 
they were very smart not to put that in this movie because at that time, that was just when you were starting to see the second wave of this LGBT uh, thing going up. Yeah. You know, and you, you put that in this movie, all of a sudden you lose a good 25% of your audience. Yeah. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm honestly, I'm really, really trying to think of something that doesn't work um, other than what you've kind of already said. But mm-hmm. man, it's such a funny movie. If yeah. you're going to go on childhood, Joel, I hate that they don't get on the bus. Yeah. I want you want them to catch a break for so long. But Jim Carrey's standing his ground is perfect. Mm-hmm. You, did, you had to have them miss out on that opportunity to fully just like paint the whole picture of who they are. Yeah. Uh, for me, there's rare moments of overacting. Rare. Uh, I didn't like them leaving the death of the hitman before the cops got there. Yeah. I, my my mind my mind went into a realistic mode, which was that would never happen. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're right. I think about that too. And the court kidding the owls. That was a bit of a comedic reach for me. You didn't need it. It was already funny. Uh, I mean, if you're gonna offend everybody, you might as well offend the pet people too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but these are nitpicky things. They're so tiny that it really doesn't even matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who's the audience for this movie? I put down ages twelve to dead. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm gonna be honest. If if you like dumb humor, mm-hmm. then yeah, you absolutely have to watch it. This is a pinnacle. 90s movie and is what I miss about movies because movies started to evolve and screenwriting got to get really good. Yeah. And outside of the, I'll say this when you can just have a movie that is silly, that has a plot, you don't get that anymore. It it doesn't have some sort of like wild twist or deeper meaning or deeper story. Even like, I mean, you've got like the slew of, uh, Saturday Night Live movies that came out. Yeah. It's all kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's a 20 minutes or it's a 10 minute sketch tra- stretched out to two hours. Yeah. And I mean, even like I love, I love Will Ferrell. He definitely got oversaturated there for a while, mm-hmm. but I liked his movies, but there was still something about his movies that could not compete. And I think the big thing was, no, no. Cause I mean, they were still PG 13. I loved Anchorman. Um, but like once you hit Anchorman and Dodgeball, something changed in comedy. And I talked to one of my friends a couple of years ago and he's a big, big Vince Vaughn fan. Mm-hmm. And it was when the interview, uh, no, no, the internship came out. Yeah. You had fraternity comedy, basically. Yeah. And so the internship was the la- was like the first movie we had since like this era where it was just a fun comedy to go watch that wasn't relying on profanity or just ridiculous like situations like Superbad did. What about Wedding Crashers? Well, Wedding Crashers, well, this is what he said, I think. It is the, he said, the internship is the best non-R-rated no, sorry. Non-R-rated comedy to happen in the last 10 years. Oh, okay. And I said, and he says a lot of just like ridiculous things. He's a big... He's Hot a, takes. He's a big bear poker. Okay. Like he sent me a gif of uh, Shaq laughing last night during the first period of the Preds game. <laughs> and that's just what he does. That's his comedy. And it's always super funny when it's somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> but he said, non-cartoons. He said, go ahead and try. He said, you can't use like uh, animated features because mm-hmm. I was like, well, Wreck-It Ralph, he said animated. They could not make PG-13 comedies. Yeah. He said, and Dodgeball and Anchorman, or he said it's in the, easily in the top five of the last uh, 10 years or 15 years. And I went back and looked at it. Like, You're absolutely right. After the 90s, once we got into the Vince, not even, well, Vince Vaughn, yeah. Vince Vaughn, Ben Stiller. Owen Wilson. W- Owen Wilson, Vin, uh, Will, Ferrell. Will Ferrell era. The frat pack. The frat pack, yes. It changed. And so we don't get movies like this anymore. And then they came out with the internship, and it was a refresher to like, oh, you can still make good movies, and you don't have to go 
And again, super bad. One of my favorite movies of all yeah. time, but it's super crude. Mm-hmm. It's just the humor is pure, like shock value. And yeah. there are hilarious lines and they're funny characters, but there's something to say about this movie that it stuck to PG 13 and that it used just characters, development and comedy to make a really great movie. It's not too much. So I watched it when I was little. Anybody can watch this movie if you're willing to have like an open mind and say, I'm just going to laugh at this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I was thinking about, I was, as you were talking about that, I was trying to think of a movie that may uh, compete with uh, Internship. And the only thing I was Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah. Another movie that was not rated R, but everybody seemed to like. Yeah. When I say everybody, I don't mean every single human being. For those of you that are absolutists out there. It was a big hit But a lot of people liked it was it was um, tremendously successful and nobody can uh, fight that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So movie report card A B C D F in the comedy feature <laughs> film genre. I had accidentally left crime in there from last week, but it is the comedy feature film genre. Uh, Joel, do you want to start? Yeah, sure. Since I wrote an essay again. <laughs> sure. Um, since I've kind of like expanded my essay over the whole podcast, I'll keep mine shorter. Um, I've, you know, you got to give it an A. Mm-hmm. It's very dumb and applies to a child's mind, but it also applies to an adult's mind because there are things that as an adult, you can sit down and say, you can't do that. <laughs> and no one does that. But you know, people that have made stupid slip ups like this in their lives, there is flow for the story and has actual moments of suspense where you don't know how they're going to get out of a situation. I think that is so key in making this a decent movie. If it didn't have the moments with Seabass or the moment where he's sitting and he just blew up the toilet, if you, which I wish I w- we could have gotten a little more resolution on that. Yeah, um, I want to know what happened. Yeah. Um, then you don't, then it is just a dumb movie. Yeah. But everything flows so well. It is not an entirely different movie watching it as an adult, but I was able to enjoy scenes in a different way and have a better understanding of what isn't is not normal for an adult to do. Like you don't, if you're a limo driver, you don't just go for hugs with your stranger at the airport. <laughs> How about a hug? I hate goodbyes. Which is, a, But yeah, I give it an A. All right. Uh, I am trying to develop a rough report card for comedies that I'm going to implement today. It has five sections. Okay. Casting, plot, direction, quotability, and legacy. Uh, for casting, the casting in this is on point. First, you get Jim Carrey at his zenith. Add in Jeff Daniels, who nobody seemed to want except Carrie and the Farrelly brothers. And what does he do? He goes toe-to-toe with Carrie in nearly every scene. Lauren Holly is perfect as the girl in between the morons. And the hitmen are great, too. Nobody is wasted in this film. And, of course, Cam Neely. We cannot forget the great Cam Neely. Cam Neely. Hall of Famer Cam Neely. Uh, now, for plot. The plot actually matters here. Every scene adds to the plot from both the perspectives of our two heroes and the villains who are trying to get the briefcase full of cash back. You might be able to argue that there might be one or two scenes that don't relate to the plot, but do they add to the character's development? You betcha. Each scene builds off the last scene and adds to the next scene, which gets us to direction. This was the Farrelly Brothers' first film. Really? After this, they made Kingpin, another great movie. There's something about Mary... Another great movie. movie. Me, myself, and Irene is where they start to fall off a little bit. Yeah. After that... That was R-rated, right? Yeah. After that, the list gets rough. Osmosis Jones. Oh. Shallow Hal. Stuck on You. Oh, that was bad. Fever Pitch. I love Fever Pitch. They show up for Fever Pitch. Loved Fever Pitch. The Heartbreak Kid. Hall Pass. (laughs) The Three Stooges. Uh, Movie 43. And their last movie they did was Dumb and Dumber 2. 
But let's not dwell on their legacy, okay? That's nice. This is clearly a case of hitting the home run on the first pitch. And they're then trying to keep it going, but failing more along the way. They made sure that that the focus was on the plot first and Dumb and Dumber. And the jokes second. It explains why they took out all the deleted scenes. Each of those scenes were jokes that didn't further the plot, but did destroy character development. The choices for songs in this film were cheesy enough to not be too cheesy, dumb sounding enough to go with the title, and or cult hits like New Age Girl by Dead Eye Dick and Hurdy Gurdy Man by the Butthole Surfers. <laughs> Plus, they got Jim Carrey to d- not do another mask or Ace Ventura. He's not given full reign to go nuts. He is reined in. Mm-hmm. Now, quotability. We haven't stopped quoting this film nearly 20 years later. If you say any of the lines of this movie in public, someone nearby will know what movie you're talking about and probably quote it with you. I have heard teenagers today quote this movie in my classroom. None of the references are pop culture, so it doesn't age. Mm. And finally, legacy. This movie is near perfect as a comedy. For a comedy to be good, it can't just be funny. It has to have rewatchability. It has to be a film that you can watch when it opens to 10 years later, to 20 years later, and so on. It has to be able to speak to audiences of its time as well as future audiences as time goes on. Dumb and Dumber is a transcendent movie. It also has to be a movie that you can watch with your friends and laugh hysterically or watch by yourself and chuckle out loud at the same jokes. I I laughed out loud watching this yesterday. (laughs) With all that being said, this movie is an A as a comedy. If you like if you like it, you're probably in the majority. If you don't, you are in the minority, okay? In the 1990s, it's hard to find a more loved comedy, and it perfectly represents that decade in its cynical nature as well as its foreshadowing what would happen later on in media when we start to cheer on the ironic because we'd rather make fun of it than ignore it. The only people I know who don't like this movie are people who didn't see it when it came out because, quote, it looked stupid, people who think they're above lowbrow humor, and our beloved JC. Yes. And JC is not those other people. <laughs> no. JC doesn't like it. JC is not a fan of Dumb and Dumber. I feel, an, I feel an obligation to put that out there because here it is. Three people, two out of three probably love this movie. Yeah. You know? Uh, and f- for that reason, this is an A. Yeah, this is an A. It is an absolute A. Um, so if this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Joel? I bought it. So <laughs> yeah, buy it. I would buy this on Blu-ray. I don't even want to... If if it's $5.99, I'm like, no, no, no. There's a better version out there I want. Really? Get me the $21 one. (laughs) Because I know there's more on there, and I want more. Man, I wonder if there is any extra... If there is an extra scene out there. No clue. I'll look on my DVD that I have. Yeah. The uncut version or whatever, and I'll see if there's anything to that. Because I forget to go to the special features a lot of Mm -hmm. times. But, man, it'd be good to see some behind-the-scenes things for this movie. That's all we've got time for today, Movie Planeteers. Next show, we will look at 1986's The Fly. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean and give us a four or five-star review. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, and follow our Instagram. The opinions expressed on the Movie Planet podcast are those of the individual hosts. The Movie Planet podcast is not affiliated with, prepared for, approved, or licensed by any entity that created any films discussed or reviewed herein. All movie clips and music included in the podcast are the intellectual property of the respective copyright holders. They are included here for the purpose of review and no infringement is intended. Thanks for listening, and happy movie watching!